Hi, and welcome to the third episode of our podcast series addressing workplace sexual harassment, Let's Talk Respect at Work. Bruce, let's talk about sexual harassment as a safety issue. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack on this topic, so let's dive in. So the Respect at Work reforms have coincided with important developments and and real shifts in work health and safety law regarding psychosocial hazards and risks. That's right, Ange. And maybe for those that are listening who don't come from a safety background, um, you can recap a little bit on what a psychosocial hazard actually is. That's a good idea. So fundamentally, it's a workplace hazard that may cause psychological harm. So for example, the way in which people in the workplace interact with each other, if those interactions were, say, um, bullying, then that would be an example of, of a psychosocial hazard. All um, states and territories have introduced or are introducing more stringent requirements on employers to eliminate risks to psychological health generally. What's behind that and where are those changes actually at? Well, I mean, the broader context for the changes is that a review of the WHS law conducted in 2018 found that there was really insufficient focus on psychosocial risks and that there was a need for more specific guidance for duty holders or PCBUs, as we call them under WHS law, to better position them to eliminate those risks. Now, the states and territories are not quite moving in lockstep, although a commission, uh, sorry, commitment Um, has been made by the WHS ministers of all states and territories who have adopted the model WHS law. So the changes are at various stages of implementation and the law in Victoria is slightly different. But despite that, fundamentally for employers across the country, the point is that regulator expectations and community expectations on employers to effectively manage psychosocial hazards has really increased markedly. So sexual harassment clearly then can be looked at as a safety issue. And I think it's pretty safe to say that it's a known workplace hazard that can cause psychological risk and physical harm. Do you agree? Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. The interaction between sexual harassment as a workplace issue generally and more specifically as a safety issue was directly addressed in some of the recommendations of the Respect at Work report, which we spoke about in episode one. Um, In consultations and submissions, the Commission said that it heard there was a a lack, that the lack of sort of express WHS regulation, code of practice or guidelines meant that workplace sexual harassment was really not being addressed by safety regulators or employers in a consistent, systemic way. The Respect at Work report described there being an you know, an urgent need to raise awareness that sexual harassment is a work health and safety issue. And as a result of that, the Commission recommended that the um, WHS ministers agree to amend the model um, regulations um, that are part of the WHS model law to deal with psychological health, um, as the review that I, I spoke about earlier recommended. And that is now happening or has happened, depending on which state and territory you're in. Um, and additionally, the Commission recommended that there be um, guidelines developed on sexual harassment with a view um, ultimately to informing the development of a code of practice. And where has that gotten to at the moment? So last year, Safe Work Australia published a Preventing Workplace Sexual Harassment Guide, which really is the first sort of important piece of regulatory guidance that seeks to apply 
the framework of safety law to the issue of sexual harassment. Um, the emergence of this guidance puts a lot more structure around the task of applying safety principles to the issue of sexual harassment. It's not a legally binding document, but it is a very helpful um, reference point and an indicator of how safety regulators see this issue. It will be really interesting to see whether states and territories go further, as suggested in the Respect at Work report, and actually develop a code of practice. Um, like, like safety regulations, code of, codes of practice tend to deal with particular risks, um, and they're admissible in court proceedings uh, in a prosecution, a safety prosecution, as evidence about what is known um, about a hazard risk control measure. So that evidence can be relied on to determine what is reasonably practicable in the circumstance, which of course is the sort of standard or test in safety law. It sounds like then that a code of practice on this topic would be really helpful um, as well for employers to have access to to understand whether or not they're, they're meeting their safety standards. What do you think um, we could expect to see in a code of practice addressing sexual harassment? I think um, we can probably look at the code of practice on psychosocial hazards to get a bit of an insight into what a code of practice on sexual harassment may ultimately look like. Um, my sense is that like the psychosocial hazard code of practice, a code of practice on sexual harassment, it won't give you all the answers akin to, say, a physical safety risk. Um, it'll likely provide very reliable guidance um, to a PCBU as to the steps that ought to be taken, but I suspect it's likely to be at a reasonably high level. Um, and, and together with that, you know, the reality is that risks of sexual harassment arising may be quite industry specific or even workplace specific. So like all safety risks, um, it will be really critical that companies devote, you know, the necessary time and resources to adapt the principles to their own specific organisation. So when just, you know, thinking about this sort of at a conceptual level, it really is going back to basic safety principles for yeah. employers and PCBUs, identifying the hazards, assessing the risks, implementing control measures and, and reviewing those measures. Yeah, exactly. And I think that in substance, when looking at sexual harassment through the WHS prism, that will actually put you as an employer in a solid position to ultimately discharge the positive duty that's proposed to be introduced to the Sex Discrimination Act. Um, although, as we spoke about in episode one, that's not um, limited to sexual harassment, but also other unlawful behaviour. The proposed standards, though, are not identical, are they? Well, no, that's right. So um, the positive duty and the, and the primary WHS duty use slightly different terminology. So the proposed legislation for the positive duty in the Respect at Work Bill in its current form will involve a reasonable and proportionate measures standard, whereas WHS law involves a reasonably practicable standard. So in one view, there is an opportunity for Parliament to consider whether um, the Respect at Work Bill should be amended to uh, adopt the reasonably practicable standard, which is used in WHS law, as I think most people would say that as a relatively interchangeable concept and indeed the explanatory memorandum suggests that it's intended to be that. So um, if the concepts were consistent, you know, you could rely on, on the established case law around what is reasonably practicable. Although I think in any event, even if the reasonable and proportionate measures standard is retained, 
I still think that the principles that have emerged from WHS law will be um, instructive in any event. And equally, um, of course, it is the case that the reasonable and proportionate standard reflects the law in Victoria where there already is a positive duty to prevent sexual harassment. So thinking about all these moving parts that we're talking about in terms of um, standards being introduced, codes of practice, you know, looking at sexual harassment um, as a safety issue, what do you think the key takeaway for people listening today is to understand about sexual harassment in the safety context? I think that fundamentally it is about approaching the issue of sexual harassment from the perspective of the framework that the WHS laws establish. So as you said earlier, Bruce, the cornerstones of, of that law are about hazard identification, risk assessment, control measures, and reviewing those measures. So it is about looking at, at the issue through that lens. The second thing I would say is that, um, as many listeners will be aware, officers of PCBU, so directors, members of the executive team and others, have a personal duty to undertake due diligence to ensure the company um, of which they are an officer is complying with its WHS obligations. So that is really just another example of why it's essential that sexual harassment um, uh, as a safety issue and a broader workplace issue is on the agenda for boards and exec teams. Thanks so much uh, for today, Ange, and for your insights um, on this topic through the safety prism. And thanks for everyone for listening today. Please tune back in for episode four, where we'll be talking about the challenging issue of non-disclosure agreements.